there's an ugly standoff going on in Seattle. Anxiety is in the air. The housing market is nuts. Hundreds of people are moving to Seattle each week. They're attracted by Amazon and other booming tech jobs here. And the homeless population is growing, with tents popping up across the city. Housing has become scarce and expensive. Local authorities say they don't have the money to deal with the problem. So the city has been considering something called a head tax on big businesses. Then, on May 2nd, Amazon, Seattle's largest employer, decided to play hardball. Amazon employs more than 40,000 people at its headquarters and said it was halting its expansion plans in the city pending the vote on the head tax. Amazon's move provoked an outpouring of rage on both sides. Construction workers protested the tax outside Amazon's headquarters. Meanwhile, homeowners are divided with tensions running high. It led to a showdown at a meeting several city council members hosted later that day. I'm a lifelong Democrat. I have never been so fed up and disgusted and embarrassed for my city. All right? We do not trust you anymore. We have the most regressive tax structure in our city, which is in a state with the most regressive tax structure in the entire country. So who are we going to take the money from? I'll tell you who. Say we need $5 billion. That's a pretty conservative estimate. $5 billion is how much Jeff Bezos made in 10 minutes when Amazon announced they bought Whole Foods. We're going to tax that mother On Monday, the city council had to decide whether or not to move ahead with this controversial new tax. Hi, I'm Brad Stone. And I'm Karen Wise. And this week on Decrypted, we're taking a look at Seattle, which has found itself pitted against one of the world's largest companies, run by the world's richest man. The growth of Amazon and other tech companies has created a lot of high-paying jobs here, but it's also contributed to soaring rents and home prices. Recent studies link the lack of affordable housing to an increase in the homeless population. As tech hubs around the world grapple with these unintended consequences of the tech boom, can Seattle, Washington pave the way? Stay with us. Last week, I sat down with someone who's been following this story for a long time. Her name is Erica C. Barnett. She's a longtime City Hall reporter and now writes a progressive blog, C is for Crank. I came out here for a job um, at Seattle Weekly and... um, I came out here in the middle of the summer, and it was the most beautiful place I'd ever seen in my life. Erica's been living in Seattle for close to 20 years. I couldn't believe, you know, the mountains and the water and just, you know, the, the beautiful hills and the neighborhoods and just everything about it was so beautiful. And I agree. It is gorgeous. Rainy, but gorgeous. That's part of what drew me here, too. But the city has changed a lot since Erica first moved here. I lived in Ballard when I moved here, and and I left because it was so sleepy. And look at Ballard now. It's completely different. Seattle's the fastest-growing housing market in the U.S., and home prices have gone up about 14% in the past year, 
and they did the same in the previous year. The median cost of a single-family home is almost $820,000. A lot of that growth has come from the tech boom. Amazon was founded here in 1994. Today, it's an $800 billion company with more than 500,000 employees worldwide. Microsoft, Expedia, Zillow are also based in the area. And Google, Facebook, Uber, so many tech companies have opened up large offices in Seattle, too. I know some people hate it. It feels a little more anonymous than it used to. And it also um, just feels like there are a lot of people coming here that only plan to be here for a year or two. You know, and that does kind of impact the way that your interactions are with people. One economist I spoke to said that every new tech job creates about four to five new non-tech jobs. Some of that non-tech work is for professionals like lawyers and doctors, but the bulk of it is not, think Uber drivers and plumbers. In boom towns like Seattle, wages generally go up across the board, but cities don't add enough housing supply to keep up with the growing demand. That makes cities way less affordable. The economist said Seattle's an extreme example of what's happening in other tech hubs, like the Bay Area and in Austin. Yeah, Karen, it really reminds me of this of the same exact dynamic that's going on here in San Francisco. You know, cities competed so hard to be the home to these tech companies, and now they are realizing that there there are some drawbacks from having these high growth companies in their midst. It's interesting. Seattle is actually doing a better job than the Bay Area of building new housing, but even that isn't keeping up with the growing population here. Such an emotional issue for people. You know, and it's worth noting that, you know, these are both heavily democratic cities. And so you ask most people in Seattle or in San Francisco, and they're intellectually in favor of more housing or more affordable housing. Uh, But then when it comes to their neighborhoods or putting high density uh, apartment buildings with affordable housing units, uh, below market rate units in their neighborhoods, or even along kind of transport, you know, public transportation lines, and, you, you know, you get a kind of quiet resistance to it. And, and even, I would say, modest things like adding a, a backyard cottage or allowing a single-family home to be a duplex, not even building, you know, low-rise uh, multifamily things are very contentious. The city is, in Seattle is currently debating something that would rezone just 6% of single-family neighborhoods to allow that type of kind of more basic development. And that, I'm sure, will be very contentious when it actually comes up to a vote. When people say that we're becoming San Francisco, they're not wrong. I think that is exactly where we're headed. Seattle has seen a surge in homelessness. There are so many contributing factors. The opioid crisis, a lack of mental health resources, but also rising rent is probably part of it. There are as many as 400 locations in the city where people are living in tents or in makeshift shelters. And at times it has been a source of friction with residents. People are torn between having compassion and being frustrated with what seems like the city's inability to help. Here's Erica again. When you go to other cities, and I travel quite a lot, and um, you just don't see anything like what's in Seattle. I mean, I was in Houston recently, and Houston is a much less expensive city. They have very different economic issues than we do, but I mean, you just don't see any tents outside. And so I think when people are going to other cities or comparing Seattle to what Seattle was like, even 20 or 10 years ago, it's shocking. And the fact that there are tents everywhere is absolutely unacceptable. But Seattle's in an unusual bind. That's because the Washington state constitution forbids income tax. That means the city is unusually dependent on property and sales taxes. As a result, people with less money spend a bigger share of their income on taxes. 
So the city council came up with the idea of a head tax, where businesses making more than $20 million in annual revenue would pay up to $500 per employee. The city wants to use the money to build more public and low-income housing and to boost services for the homeless. How does this relate to Amazon? I think people see Amazon, rightly or wrongly, as like our golden goose, kind of our modern Boeing. Amazon would be the company most affected by the head tax. Amazon chose to grow in the city, not in the suburbs, and it just dominates here. The Seattle Times did an amazing analysis last year and found that Amazon occupies more office space in the city than the next 40 employers combined, and it's building even more. I think people see Amazon as, you know, this economic force that's driving jobs, that's driving growth, that's driving their home prices up, because a lot of the kind of split in the city right now is between homeowners who are seeing, you know, their meet their home values go up. So, and then on the other hand, renters who feel like they're being left out. In September, Amazon announced plans to build a second headquarters, which kind of freaked the city out. Just the whole idea that Amazon could decide to move jobs away from Seattle or at least grow elsewhere. That might partly explain the shock when Amazon announced it was halting construction planning on a new office tower until it sees the outcome of the vote on the head tax. Good morning to you. The head tax would be a new tax on large employers in Seattle to help fund homelessness programs. Amazon does not like it at all, so much so that they are halting construction on this 17-story building in downtown Seattle. Let me tell you about this head tax. The plan would apply to... Karen, the relationship between Amazon and Seattle, it, it reminds me of like a bad romantic relationship. Seattle is having a hard time with Amazon, but it doesn't want Amazon to go and date anybody else. Yes, they're definitely kind of codependent in a weird way right now. So Amazon's bringing a lot of jobs, a lot of revenue into the city, but it's also just creating an obvious burden on on city services. I mean, is the head tax a good way of addressing that? Yeah, the head tax is very interesting because it risks slowing down the job growth. If you listen to what the company is saying, we may not put as many new jobs here. So that's one way to manage the growth is just to actually slow it down. And it also tries to solve a little bit on the housing supply side because it does go to fund new affordable housing. But it doesn't touch that huge issue about zoning and where you're going to put new housing. And that is the thing that has just really stifled uh, new development in, in the Bay Area and in Seattle and other kind of booming tech cities, too. So the HQ2 search was announced last year. But the whole dispute this year on the head tax, it just makes me think that Amazon was awfully farsighted uh, in trying to find another city. Did they foresee all this? Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt that the pressures on the city have been growing a lot, and particularly in the past couple of years. I mean, they I have to imagine their own recruiters hear trouble about you know, concerns about the housing stock here and, and the, the ability even for a high paid engineer to find to find something. And they they have said, you know, I think the most telling thing I've heard out of them is Jeff Wilkie, uh, the executive at a conference in Seattle last uh, fall, said something to the effect of, I love Seattle. It's been fabulous for me and my family, but not everyone wants to live here. And we are growing at a rate where we really need to be able to find a place to work for anyone that we can get. Not everyone enjoys those rainy uh, winters. So what what should Amazon apply uh, in terms of the lessons of its long tangled relationship with the city of Seattle, what should it apply to the search for another city to host its second headquarters? 
Amazon was really quiet for a really long time in Seattle, and I suspect probably they have regrets about that because they didn't help the city get ahead of this problem, really. And so when they're talking in new places, they're really trying to understand how how is the city going to accommodate all of these the kind of the housing needs and the transportation needs and all of the additional burden on the infrastructure that comes with really building, as we've talked about, not just the headquarters for these employees, but then all of the additional auxiliary work. Right. And cities can also learn from Amazon's experience in Seattle and know that if they win HQ2, they're getting a big, powerful company. They're getting a lot of jobs, but they're also going to be dealing with some political issues that are very hard to predict. Yes. I mean, Amazon has shown it can play hardball. And so if I were a city, I'd be a little nervous at the same time. Next up, strong reactions erupt on all sides after Amazon pauses its expansion plants in Seattle until it knows the outcome of the head tax vote. Amazon's statement hit around midday on May 2nd. Amazon has stopped construction on a new office building in Seattle, where its current headquarters are. This comes after the city proposed a new tax on top business. Since then, things have been moving really fast. The tax has become a polarizing issue. The construction workers union has come out against it. But services sector unions are supporting it. Some residents are happy that the city is pushing back on Amazon, which, let's remember, is the second largest company in the world run by the wealthiest man in the world. But other residents don't trust the city to spend the new money wisely. Emotions came to a head later that night. Hundreds of people packed into a Methodist church for what was supposed to be a town hall meeting, but instead devolved into just a venting of rage. Um, It's refreshing to see ordinary citizens revolting against this lousy city council, this quasi-religious organization that tells us how we're supposed to think, what we're supposed to do with our money, what we're supposed to do with our plastic bags. We cannot be trusted. Homeowners shouted down the council members, saying the money they pay in property taxes had been spent unwisely. And if you've lived here for a few years and you've seen this city government take on affordability by bulldozing all the backyards in Ballard and putting up $900,000 condos, you might start to think maybe they should just kind of deal with water, sewer, garbage, police, firemen, libraries, and parks and get out of the rest of this stuff because it's not working. But other people told the council they couldn't afford taxes to go up even more. Because I know that as a middle-class worker in this city, I may future in the future be homeless myself because that's the way our city is going. Our middle class is not able to afford our houses, our rents. We're not able to afford any of it. All of you here want to live in a, in a happy life. Without Erica was there. She saw people struggling with how to deal with the city's growth. I think there's a weird sort of um, brain split where like we like the economic growth and we like the fact that home prices are rising, but we don't like the fact that those people need places to live. They're living in townhomes and apartments that, you know, were, were maybe built where a single family house was bulldozed. A lot of residents vented about the way tents and makeshift housing was affecting their neighborhoods. They're sick of seeing tents everywhere. There is a perception that there are needles everywhere. But they're just, they're upset about, about the issue of homelessness and um, the way it's being handled. Um, Council, I recognize that there's a crisis of homelessness in Seattle. 
and I generally support revenue and services to address that crisis. But whatever we do, it's going to take time. And in the meantime, we're going to continue to have encampments all over the city. And the impact that those encampments are having on their immediate neighbors is really tangible and problematic. And I think it's driving a lot of the frustration and the hostility and the anger that you see tonight. So. At times, the dialogue totally broke down. I see. Okay. So, blaming poor people for what's going on is like blaming Syrian refugees for ISIS. Amazon is ISIS. In any case, I wish you would act more like kindergartners than like over-entitled rich white people. Thank you. You know, I've been to uh, about a million of these meetings before, and I'm, you know, I'm not like a shrinking flower. I don't get upset, but it felt, I mean, you know, people are going to make fun of me for this, but it felt scary. Um, it felt like, you know, people were going to rush the state. Okay, so today is Tuesday. Yesterday, on Monday afternoon, the Seattle City Council voted on the controversial head tax. Please call the roll on the passage of the amended bill. O'Brien? Aye. Sawant? Aye. Bagshaw? Aye. Gonzalez? Aye. Herbold? Aye. Johnson? Aye. Juarez? Aye. Mosqueda? Aye. President Harrell? Aye. Nine in favor, none opposed. Bill passed and chair with signage. Okay, so now we have a resolution which basically embodies a spending plan. Just one moment here. And so please read that into the record. The vote came after a weekend of frantic negotiations. Basically, the mayor said she might veto a $500 per head tax if the council passed it. So after all this back and forth, they got it down to $275 per employee. And then the city council passed it 9 to 0. Right. So for now, the standoff is over. What lesson do other cities like Mountain View, which was weighing a similar Google tax, what do they take from this episode? It's interesting. I mean, I think clearly you learn it's hugely divisive and a risky thing to do. And it's hard to know now how it will affect growth in the city. Will people pull back or is there already enough good jobs and, and enough of a cluster of tech work here that people, Amazon and others, will continue hiring here? Everybody's wondering how this impacts the search for HQ2. And I know some of the candidate cities sent letters to Seattle encouraging the council to resist the pressure from Amazon. What, what Does this impact the HQ2 search? Yeah, I mean, if I were a city, I think that this shows, it shows two things. It shows that a city can put some onus on Amazon or cities have, can have the political will to do that. But it also shows that Amazon plays hardball. And that's it's a reality. I had a guest in town this weekend from Germany, and this made the news in Germany. So I think it's not even just HQ2, but it's all of their global expansion plans. People are watching this, watching to see what they'll do and how it'll play out. 
So now Seattle has a $275 per employee head tax. Does it solve Seattle's problems when, when you talk about the congestion in the city, the ever-increasing price of housing? What does this do? Yeah, so this is, I think one thing that definitely will help is this does build more housing, specifically affordable housing. And there was a lot of back and forth over how much should go to services versus construction. And in the end, about two-thirds of the new revenue will go to building new units. But we're talking fewer than 1,000 units, and I, I believe that the current affordable housing gap is something like 14,000 units in the county. So it's, it's an improvement, but not a huge one. And is it possible that this head tax slows down Seattle growth? That, that is the big question. Will it slow down this kind of crazy increase in, in jobs and high-paying jobs that are coming here? And I spoke with one of the council members who co-sponsored the legislation, Mike O'Brien. I spoke with him last week, and he said, you know, I don't think it's going to slow down the growth here. I think we've got enough momentum here that will keep Amazon and others continuing to come. But if it does slow down the growth, maybe that's okay. Maybe that's what we need to catch our breath a little bit. And that's it for this week's episode of Decrypted. Thanks for listening. Do the issues we talked about today apply to the city you live in? We want to know how the growth of the tech industry has affected you. Send us an email. Our address is decrypted at Bloomberg.net. Or I'm on Twitter at KYWise. And I'm at Brad Stone. If you enjoy the show, please spread the word with your friends and consider leaving us a rating and a review. It really helps us find new listeners. This episode was produced by Pia Godkari and Topher Forges. Francesca Levy is the head of Bloomberg Podcasts. We'll see you next week.